Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, if you are new, I am Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad all of you are worshiping with us today. And as Jason mentioned earlier, um, Heidi and I and our youngest daughter, Layla, we just got back from Thailand. Uh, we, uh, we got back about 2.30-ish in the morning, uh, late Friday night, early Saturday, so all bets are off about what's happened over the next 30 minutes. Uh, people keep asking me, hey, are you tired? I'm like, tired's not the word. I don't know what the word is, but we're here. And very, very glad to be back with you guys. And it was a great time in Thailand. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. But uh, for you guys that have been around for the last few weeks, um, you know that we've been raising money, kind of a little end-of-the-year campaign to uh, bring awareness and raise money for all the incredible missionaries that we support. And we, while we were in Thailand, uh, you guys may know Evan and Emily McCall, who have been there for 10 years, we had an incredible opportunity to spend a few days with them, and we have a video from them for to reintroduce or introduce you to um, Evan and Emily. So let's watch that. Hey, Grove Church. We are the McCall family. I'm Emily. This is Evan. We live in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We have four kids. Um, our connection to the Grove is... 20 years ago, yes, you heard that right, in 2003, the, the Grove was a new church plant in Fayetteville, and we were college students, and we joined. So we've been part of the Grove since day one, which is so special. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll be back in 2013. We up and packed up from the Grove in Northwest Arkansas, and we are now here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where we've lived for the last almost 10 years. Uh, which is a wild thought, and uh, the Grove has been an important part of us being here. Um, specifically, what we do here in Chiang Mai is we have a um, BAM company, businesses mission company called Expat Homes, and uh, that's our primary way that we do ministry and life here in Thailand. Thailand is a very dark place spiritually. Uh, it's about 99% Buddhist, um, very small portion of um, other religions, and so that's kind of the context that we're in, and it's very slow moving uh, in terms of, um, yeah, people's spiritual lives and kind of where they're, where they're headed. Um, but yeah, that's the context that we're in kind of on an everyday basis. Yeah, um, so we wanna tell you guys, thank you. You guys have been faithfully giving, financially praying, loving on us for 10 years. 10 years, y'all, that's amazing, thank you. Um, that is not nothing. You guys are just, yeah, you guys are amazing. We love you so much. Um, we are really looking forward to uh, this next summer. We'll be back in America and uh, we'll be able to see all of you in person. And uh, we look forward to that. So we'll see you guys this summer. Yay! We love you guys. Love you. So a few months ago, Mark and I kind of got this invitation from a, a different group than the calls are with to 
help essentially lead a staff training for a group of missionaries there in Southeast Asia, and they have their conference and their training time there in Thailand. So we got this invitation a few months ago, and we thought it would be a great idea. I mean, we'll be so close to Evan and Emily if we wouldn't, could figure out a way to invite them to come down and spend some time with us so that we could get to see them face-to-face. So I got a few pictures I want to show you. This is Heidi and I with um, Evan and Emily, and it was just so cool to be able to be with them closer to their home. And if you'll see, Evan is rocking a mustache, and it just and there were some other guys that were part of this group that were doing that too. And I was like, man, if I'm going to be here with you guys, I wish you'd given me a week's notice. That could have been better, but I also can grow a mustache. So I have it here now, and I was going to shave it last night, and Heidi was like, you need to be able to share that gloriousness with the whole church. And so here it is for you as well. Uh, but not only were Heidi and I and Mark able to come, but our daughter Layla, Mark's daughter uh, Darcy was able to be there, Brad and Mel Alexander, Lauren Whitehouse, a few other people. So we're able to spend this time there again with McCall's and their whole family. In addition to all the incredible, fun, cool training stuff that we're able to do, uh, Brad, I got a picture of Brad up here. He led worship every morning. Uh, for them, and you could, it was just very obvious, I said this to him every day, it was just very obvious that it meant the world uh, to them, that he would come and do this for them, it was great. His wife Mel helped with some of their business training, but in addition to that, did a, led a women's only time that obviously must have gone really, really well, because the, that, that day and the next day, all, all that I was seeing was Every, almost every woman that was a part of this group wanting to spend time with Mel to get just kind of to learn a little bit more from her. Uh, Mark was probably the busiest guy I've seen. I mean, it's just, you can just tell all those people there, they know him, they love him, and he was just constantly meeting one to one with all of them. And over the course of the six days, I, you can put the next picture up there, I had the opportunity to speak eight different times over the course of six days, just really just kind of encouraging them. You know, it's, it's, it's an exhausting, draining life that they have. And for us is to be able to go over there and speak and serve and give them words of encouragement. It was just an incredible week. And also for our daughters as well. And I'll talk about that a little bit later in the message. But I just want to say on behalf of the McCalls, on behalf of this group of people who are serving in Southeast Asia and on all of us that got to go, just thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the freedom that we have to be able to go do this. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is raising money, um, again, for, kind of for missions awareness to help us really understand kind of that the money that we give here to this church is not just kind of keeping the lights on here, but is really having global impact. And this last week that we got to experience encouraging several, several, some missionaries from our church that we know and then several missionaries here of people that you probably will never get a chance to meet. But your giving and your serving here in this church is having a worldwide multiplying impact in the world. And that's kind of what this campaign has been about. And if as of yet you've not been able to participate in this year-end campaign, I encourage you to. Go to thegrovechurch.org slash give and you'll find all the information that you need there. But again, as Jason uh, mentioned, um, we, we're actually in the, wrapping up here our, our Christmas series. And what we've been doing is kind of talking about who Jesus was before he became baby Jesus. Before the, he got the name Jesus from his mama, 
What was he up to? He was the eternal son of God. And we just kind of looked back at some passages in the Old Testament that just kind of talk about who the son of God was and what he was doing all the way from the very beginning where we learn that he's the creator of the universe, that he is God. And then last week, uh, you guys were here with Adam and appreciate your, your kindness and support of him. And he's a, he's a good friend. And just talking about these different appearances that Jesus has made to do incredible things to love and rescue people. So the story of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and this picture that we see of Jesus doing the things that we know Jesus does. He's been doing them for a really, really long time. And today, our fancy theological word for the day is incarnation, and that's what we're talking about. Well, now we're going to talk about that moment, that moment in time where, where Jesus becomes, where, where the Son of God becomes Jesus, where, 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 where the Son of God becomes a person. And it is an incredible thing. Like We think about the Christmas story very often. We think about kind of the details of it and the journey that that Joseph and Mary had to make while she was pregnant and the shepherd's involvement and the wise men and all of these things that are happening surrounding the birth of Jesus. But what we've been doing or kind of focusing on today is really kind of the deep theological impacts of what does it even really mean that God became a baby? And that's what the incarnation is. It's like when, when, when God becomes a man, what does that mean and what are the implications of that for us? And so the Christmas story is typically found in Luke 2 and in its own version of the Christmas story we have in John 1, which doesn't really talk about the details of the birth, but really just kind of who Jesus was and what it really means that he came to earth. And so we're going to look at just a few verses in John chapter 1 and we're going to start here at the first in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And so John is using an image here and describing Jesus as the Word. And we may have some idea about what that means, but basically what he's taking here. It's kind of a Greek philosophical concept where you think about who God is and how far removed he is. And they use this word, the word, or in Greek, logos, this idea of, of kind of the, 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 the eternal mind of who God is. And so he's kind of taking this, this philosophical concept that the Greeks had to kind of helping us understand who Jesus is, that we're not just talking about some really powerful person. We're talking about the eternal mind of, of God. We think of God as being so far removed, and we have this more tangible understanding, the, the, the tangible part, the understandable, if there is an understandable part of who God is. And so he's taking this image that would have been very common at least for the audience to which John was writing, and he's trying to help them understand as we're putting our mind around how big and powerful Jesus is. And so we'll use his words, and we'll kind of describe it a little bit further, that Jesus is the eternal word, capital W, word. 
he's not just someone who represents God. He's not just someone who is like God. He is the very, he is the very mind, really almost like, like, the, like the hands and feet, the tangible nature of an intangible God. And he uses this phrase in John 1, which I think is incredible, is we're just even trying to start to put our minds around it, where it says that, that the word was God and the word was with God. You have these things back to back. The word was with God and the word was God. And you're like, how can that be? Like I can imagine somebody being with God. We think about God, God the Father up here. He was, he was with him, okay? That's, that's something. But it says that he also, he, he was God. How can you be somebody and be with somebody. And so we see here just really just kind of the beginnings of kind of the theological reflection of what would later be become known in, in Christian understanding as the Trinity is that I, I know who God is and Jesus was with him, but Jesus was also God. And so there's only one God, and but there's, there's, there's two of them, two persons, and you start to really kind of start putting these pieces together. And most of us, we try to, we either don't think about it or we end up just kind of adding things to it to help it make some sense, which is what Jehovah's Witnesses do. They'll switch it to, and Jesus was a God and make the, make, make the G small. It's like he's just kind of like a, like a lower tier kind of ruler, but he's not God. Or Muslims will look at this phrase and say, here, this is what we always have said, that Christians are polytheists. They believe in multiple gods. But John is really trying to get us to help and think deeper than just kind of these overly simplistic ways of kind of describing what God is like and who Jesus is. And I bring all of this up not just simply to have a theological exercise or to try to do a mind expansion. Because I think from the very beginning of this series, it has been of incredible importance that we recognize how big God is and how powerful and big Jesus is. He's not just a dude. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good moral leader. He is the creator God of the universe. Because there's this pet peeve that I have, and I was sitting there thinking about this. I consider myself a pretty chill guy. I'm a pretty chill guy, pretty fun, pretty easygoing, pretty laid back. But here's the deal. If I were to put together the entire list of all of my pet peeves, uh, maybe I'm not quite as, as chill as I think it is. Because I'm saying, hey, here's one of my pet peeves. And I'm sure you're thinking, like, which one of the 50 is he about to roll on us right now? Um, uh, maybe I'm not quite as chill as I think I is. But here's my pet peeves. And it happens around Christmas where you'll just kind of see people take a couple of different aspects of what Jesus was like, where he was born, where he's from, what he looks like, certain things that he taught, certain things that he didn't teach, and we'll take certain things and then we'll kind of sculpt this Jesus and it just turns out perfect that this Jesus that I sculpt happens to be, makes him the cheerleader for my already predetermined political worldview. And so we, I ignore all of this, I ignore all of this, and if, I, if you look at it just like this, then I can make Jesus, he, come, he becomes my mascot. And then we rant about it on social media. See, Jesus is, see, look how right I am because of these three things that happen to be true about Jesus. And we, and we think that we can do this, whether we're ranting about it on social media or not. We think that we can kind of sculpt Jesus into who we want him to be, to kind of, again, to kind of be this, this mascot 
for our, for our already predetermined worldview or for the group that I identify with. See, Jesus is just, I sculpted him and, 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 and now Jesus represents me. And I think it is of incredible importance. You do not get to sculpt Jesus and turn him into what you want him to be. Jesus sculpted you. He, he created you. He, he made you. You don't, get to, you don't get to remake him. You don't get to remake the creator God of the universe. He's not just simply a moral leader, someone who has good ideas, a good example. He is the creator God of the universe. And as such, is an example that you should follow and we should listen to his teaching. But the smaller we make Jesus, the more, the more optional the things that he says and does that we don't like, the more optional they become. But we need to make sure we're understanding who this Jesus really is. And so he continues on as he's kind of describing what Jesus is like. Then we finally get to this part where he talks about what it means for this word of God, this eternal son of God to become a person. And we have that in John 1 verse 14. He says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you have this eternal God, this word, the, 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 the mind of God, the tangible aspect of what God is. And it says that the word became flesh, became a person, and dwelt among us, lived where we lived, walked where we walked. He became a person. And it says, we've seen now the glory of God. Because I think we can all imagine, we think, well, what would it be like to see God face to face and how glorious and big and powerful that must have been? And two weeks ago, if you were here, that's what Mark talked about, experiencing face to face even a glimpse of the glory of God. And this is what John is saying, how incredibly remarkable it is. Because we have now seen a glimpse of it. Those of us who saw Jesus, he's saying, those of us who saw him, we saw him. The very glory, the very essence, the beauty and wonder and majesty of the, of the incredible eternal God. We have seen that in Jesus because he walked among us. And then he says this, full of grace and truth. Because there's a scary thing that I could say. It's like God's, God's coming and he wants to talk to you face-to-face, and he's full of truth. There's a scary aspect of that if he comes at you full of truth. But he is coming full of truth and grace, unearned goodness that he wants to give you. He's not just coming here to tell you the truth. He is coming here to overwhelm you with his loving kindness and to tell you the truth. And so the image here that we get, this idea that I think that we get from here of what it means that, 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 that God becomes a baby is that he came to us as we are, where we are. He did not remain up here in this huge distance. He did not stand up here and kind of look down and was like, man, you guys got to figure some things out. He he came to where we were. 
And he didn't come down here to overwhelm us. He came down here to where we were to be like us as well. And it is an incredible thing to think about because we all understand that there is a huge gap between us and God. And, 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 that, and that gap, that distance can feel overwhelming. And then you start talking about, that, and that's just in our nature and how small we are versus how big he is. And then you add our sin into it. And you have this huge gap between us and him. And we feel it. We experience it. And we can often feel overwhelmed by it. And here we're like, he bridged that gap. No matter how big it, the, the, the bigness of it, he's the one that came to where we are. And I think about this, I've actually been thinking about this a lot this week because of this trip that we came back from where um, we, we, we got on this plane and, and traveled for you know <laughs> 36 hours to get to where they were. And if you've ever you've ever had this opportunity, it's incredible. And this is the fourth time I have because the people who live on the other side of the world and they're doing these incredible things for God, and they have sacrificed so much and they have given so much, and 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 now they live on the other side of the world trying to bring the hope and life of Jesus to people who are desperate for it. Just like we got to see with Evan and Emily, and not only them, with all these other people from this other org that we got to spend this time with. And, and the thing that makes them very sad is that it, they feel like that all the burden of keeping connection with these other relationships on them, their friends and their family, I mean, I can't, I can't wait to see you when you come back. I can't wait to see you when you come here. And, and, and it is very rare that anyone will come to where they are and try to identify with them. So this is the third opportunity with this particular group that I've had. And every time I, I try to make myself, I'm getting older. It's a bit more difficult for me to identify with them, especially when they're young. You can imagine, if you will, me playing ultimate Frisbee with a bunch of 20-somethings. I don't even want to describe the fact that it was shirts and skins. <laughs> and I lo we lost that coin flip. <laughs> Everyone lost that coin flip. Let's just be honest. Man, I'll do that. I'll come there. I'll be with you. I'll, I'll do what you're doing. I'll grow a mustache to be with you. I want, I, I, I want you to know this is what our family will do to come and love you. And I had an incredible conversation about midway through the week with our, our, our youngest daughter, Layla, who was there in part. She was helping with the babysitting of, of the little kids that were there. But in addition to all of these little kids that were there, there was one family that had kids two daughters and a son that were right around Layla's age. Every other, every, other, every other missionary there either had little kids or no kids or were single. And then there was just one group of kids that are clearly older than everybody and they don't have anyone. And, and then Layla just immediately became incredible friends with the three of them and they became inseparable. They would, they would eat all their meals together. They would hang out together. They would do fun things together. And it just kind of became this thing that was like, if, if we were ever asking Layla to do anything else but spend time with these incredible kids, that she's like, wow, well, when, when do I get to go back with them? And about halfway through the trip, Layla looks at me. She says, this isn't what I thought a mission trip was going to be. 
And I was like, you know, I understand that most mission trips, really, they kind of have like a, a service project idea to them. But I need you to understand something. These kids are lonely, and they can feel isolated, and they can feel very, very different in the world that they live in. And then they all come together here, and they're still, they are very, very different. And then you came to them, their age, and for this week, they get to feel normal, and they get to have a friend. And because you went all of this way, and what you are doing is you're loving them. You came to where they were to love them. And they are going to go back incredibly more encouraged and happy, which is going to make their family more encouraged and more happy, which is going to give them more strength and energy that they need to be able to do this incredible thing that God has called them to. You don't understand, and hopefully one day that you will, just how powerful it is for you to be the one that came all the way to where they were. Because most people won't do that, and it means the world to them. And that is just a small glimpse, just a very small, imperfect illustration of this incredible journey that Jesus Christ makes for us. To not leave us in a place where we, 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 we remain isolated way over here, really with a gap between us that feels insurmountable, that can feel very isolating. And then he makes this incredible journey to not only to come to where we are, but to be like we are. And then John describes it this way, kind of what our response to all of this needs to be. Verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So here's the thing that I want you to understand, is that Jesus bridged this gap and walked among people. He came down here to where we are, and I want you to believe and understand this, that Jesus Christ, he is still coming to us. He still comes to us. And I love the phrasing that John uses here to describe what our response is supposed to be. It says, to as many as received him, received him, to believe, believed in his name. They understood who he was, and then, and then they received him. And depending on the, the, maybe the religious tradition that some of you may have grown up in or some people that you've been around, you may have heard this expression before, we need to receive Jesus. You need, have you ever received Jesus? Is, I think it's important for you to receive Jesus. Have you received Christ? Have you received him? We use this word, it becomes a religious expression, and it starts to lose really some of its power. Because I think more times than not, when we talk about this gap that exists between us and God, we say things like, it's important for you to get right with God. You need to get back to God. You need to, you need, you need to, to work to restore your relationship with God. How, you you got to stop doing what you're doing and start doing, the other, and start doing other things so that you can, you can get back to him. 
a work that you need to do. You need to get back. You need to make it right. You need to build some bridge between you and God in this huge gap that exists both physically, spiritually, personally, relationally. You need to get back to him. But that is not the words that John describes. You need to receive him. He, he, he bridged the gap. He came all of the distance. He did all of the work to get from way down here to right here to where we are. And now he shows up having done all of the work. You receive him. This is what the incarnation is about, is him bridging this gap between being way up here and to being right here with us. This is what the cross is about, bridging that gap of sin and that we have. Jesus is the one that has done and is doing all of the work. And we receive him. We open a door to welcome him in. And I believe that there are too many of us striving hard to do something that Jesus Christ has already done. Trying to add work to the work that he did. Something up to where God is. I'm trying to build this bridge across. When the, when, when the relational gap was built when Jesus became a man walk among us the sin and disconnection gap was broken by a sacrifice for each and really this calls not for work on our part but just simply a response I'm going to receive him And so those of us who are out there just still just kind of striving, still out there just kind of working, still out there trying to build what feels like an impossible bridge between you and God to make up for what you've done. I pray that today the day that we can take a rest and just receive him. Receive him as the one who came to where we are and receive him as the one who died for you. We would give up our small Jesus. We would give up our moral teacher. Give up our good example. And receive the son of God. Who became a man to live among us. To bring us truth full of grace. And then to die as a sacrifice. So that we might have life. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for the men and women here. God, in their hearts to worship, their hearts to celebrate the day that your son was born. And God, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that he's not just some dude who had a few things figured out and lived a good life. But God, that he is 
He has God become flesh, full of grace and truth. And God, I pray that we would hear the truth and receive the grace so that we can have life with you right now and life with you forever. And so God, for those of us who have only known striving, only known work, only known despair, only known separation, God, I pray today would be the day that we would receive your son, Jesus Christ, that we could believe in his name, that we could behold your glory full of grace and truth. And it is his amazing name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover on our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.